When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm just kidding. Hello, we are live again from the Wisconsin Sports Heroics and Wisco Fanatics Facebook pages, as well as the Wisco Fanatics YouTube page. Uh, Jake and I just joking around a little bit before we start the show today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> want to thank our sponsor, Parker John's Game Day Food. Check them out. Badger College football season coming up pretty soon, so... Uh, definitely a good time to get some game day food for that. Also, Packer preseason on Saturday. So if you're super crazy diehard Packer fan and you're having a party for uh, Packers, you know, grab some game day food from Parker Johns on Saturday. Uh, we are going to talk about the Packers today. I also mentioned we're going to talk about the Badgers. We're also going to talk about the Brewers, and that's where we're going to start. We're going to start with the Brewers, and I will kick it to Jake to start off talking about game two of that three-game Cardinals series that finished up the Brewers road trip. So I will kick it to you, Jake. Game two, man. That was an exciting game, was it not? That was a great series, by the way. It really um, was. A little bit of role reversal in this game. I'll get back to that. And a lot of clutch gene in this game. Uh, Brewers down 3-0 heading into the fourth. Adamas hits a solo shot like he always does. That guy is just amazing hopefully you'll have an injury you know update on him uh coming up i got here. a little bit about him okay um garcia so you can give it to me now if you want oh you can give it to me now give it to me now all right what you got? so what i've read about willie adamas is that he this is when the the injury started actually was during the the st louis series um and then it kind of just flared up while he was running the bases so they pulled him out just as a precaution um the Brewers, with maintaining their lead in the division, they're afforded the luxury of being overly cautious with injuries. They're not in a playoff push, so they don't have to rush guys back. Um, yep. So it's it's being um, called quad discomfort is what they're calling it with Willie Adamas. Um, so I actually I don't think he's going to hit the injured list um, like Eduardo Escobar and Tyrone Taylor. So as, as good of news as you could hope for, I guess, if somebody's going to get injured is that it's just going to be like a day-to-day thing. Yeah, we all love Willie Adamas, so hopefully it's nothing too bad. Um, but anyways, back to the action here. Garcia hits a solo shot in the fifth. Next inning makes it two to three. And then we're in the ninth inning, and Garcia just gets enough of one, sneaks out right over the fence in left field. and ties Dude, the dugout was hyped after that home run. I know. Dude, that was crazy. I was watching that. I was like, oh, my God. Dude, Garcia is a stud, too. Brewers just have a bunch of – Bunch of studs, man. Bunch of young stallions, kind of cast off type players. Uh, see some dirt and ropes, <laughs> rope doesn't on it. All right, yeah, I'll uh, I'll pass it off to Willie. <laughs> um, but 
back to the action here again. Uh, you know, then we get to the the 10th inning. Bradley Jr., he scored on a wild pitch. Uh, Yelly extended his hitting streak on a, on a bunt, you know, against a shift. And, Dude. you know, everybody's talked about that forever, about just bunting against that shift. You know what that, I mean? That play, that play took some nuts. I'm not going to lie. There You're was like, two strikes on him. There was two and it was two outs. Yes. Two strikes, and he, two That was outs. a bad bunt. He even admitted it after the game. He's like, it was a bad bunt. He's like, I bunted it right to him, but Yelly's fast, so he beat it out. He's got the – dude, he's got them long legs, and he has a beautiful stride around the bases. He really does. He really does, yeah. He he runs the, the bases pretty much perfectly. Um, one thing I wanted to point out about that wild pitch that I forgot to mention is it got past Molina, and that's not yep. something that, like, you normally see because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Molina's 40 years old now. We've – me and you have probably been watching – Yadier Molina played baseball since we were like eight years old, man. This guy's been around forever. So, and he actually just got one upped again. They signed him to another one year deal uh-huh. for next year as well. Yeah. So they said he's retiring after next year. So, yeah. But, hey, nothing but respect for Hob- or, uh, Yadier Molina, man. He's he's a stud. Uh, Peterson then scored in the 10th to make it 6 uh, 3. The Cardinals scored in the bottom of the 10th to make it 6 4. But, the role reversal I was talking about was uh, Hader got the win and Devin mm-hmm. Williams got the save. So that was a little bit of role reversal. It's it's awesome that the Brewers can flip-flop those guys and they can play each other's role so perfectly. You yep. can go to save a Williams to save a Hader. You know, they're going to hold the lead. They're going to shut things down. That's what you know. That's the facts of the situation. The bullpen deserves, like, major credit for this game. This game had a lot, a lot going on. So Jake covered all the scoring, but you know you kind of mentioned the the Yadier, the pass ball wild pitch. Um, did you see right after that ball got passed him, he took his helmet off and he spiked it. Yep. So like that's one that he knows he should keep in front of him, or you know that he's angry at his pitcher. I would lean probably towards mad at himself for not blocking it. Yeah. Um, this game, holy hell. I don't know if, if you or if anybody watching follows um, umpire scorecards on Twitter, but they have a scorecard for every game. And just some of the pitches that were called strikes, like like Omar Narvaez had the worst one, and it got him and Craig Council ejected from this game. A pitch that was a solid four or five inches outside, and he got rung up for strike three, like, I'm leaning more and more towards robotic umpires as much as, you know, human error is part of the game and it takes away from catcher framing, which Omar Narvaez and Manny Pena are both good at stuff like that. just can't happen. Like that's, it was late in the game too. So like the game's on the line and, and to call a strike three on a pitch that far outside is just, just gross. Um, But yeah, that led to Omar Narvaez and Craig council getting ejected. Um, Christopher, I agree. It has been pretty bad this season. Um, and it's obviously you hear more about the bad than you hear about the good, but, um, just that game was just awful as far as balls and strikes are concerned at the end of that game. Um, Nolan Aronado also got ejected from that game for arguing on check swings and he got called out. He's yelling at the umpire as he's walking off and then he comes out to come field and he's still yelling at the first base, um, umpire. And he got tossed. So Nolan Arenado got tossed from that game and then came back and had a good game in game three. But um, the other thing that I wanted to highlight with this was the bullpen. The bullpen, the bullpen, the bullpen. 
Freddie Peralta exited this game early. He's also on the 10-day injured list, but he should be back. I think they said Monday was when they're looking at him being back. Um, Hunter Strickland, two innings. Then Jake Cousins, um, Miguel Sanchez, Daniel Norris, Brent Suter, Josh Hader, Devin Williams, all pitching one inning. Um, Devin Williams did give up one unearned run um, on the initial placement on the extra innings runner on second base rule, which is probably going to be gone next year. So that counts as an unearned run. I, I don't know. It makes it, it makes it so games don't go 17 or 18 innings, but I don't know. I kind of like it. I think I I like it, dude. I I don't know. I don't know. Hey, do you, uh, so you brought up, we brought this up a while ago. We're going to kind of freestyle real quick here. You brought up that rule that was being tested in the minors yep. with that, that home run derby. Did you get any updates on that? Like, how's that going, man? I should you look at. I will look into that again. That was a while ago that I brought that up. That was. I remember, yeah. I'd have to really look back into my notes to find out when I brought that one up. But I think it's yeah, it's one of the minor leagues that they're doing. <sighs> it's like a home run derby with like five pitches or whatever. Yeah, it's five pitches. I don't remember if that's straight up after the ninth inning or if that's after like two innings of extras or something like that. But it's basically like a if baseball was going to take the the shootout idea from hockey, that that home run derby basically became you know what goes on from that. So right. um, I will look into that for you and I will get back to you on that next week. Um, did you have anything else from game two besides? I want to give Jack Flaherty some respect because he's a really good pitcher for the Cardinals. So he deserves some. No, nah, he pitched. He pitched. Awesome. He's yeah. He's a really good pitcher. Yeah, Cardinals got a couple of players they can just send over to us. We can win the World Series. <laughs> mm. Yeah, touche. Um, all right, let's talk about Game Three. Ugh. I, I didn't <laughs> like. I didn't like watching this one. I have uh, one silver lining. The rest of the game sucked. I mean, Woody had a terrible game. Five innings pitched, six earned runs. That's very bad, especially for a guy like him. You know, you know what? What's really bad about that game? It raised Brandon Woodruff's ERA all the way up to a disgusting two forty eight. <laughs> That's <laughs> insanity. Um, but the Brewers, I mean, they were all four one in the fifth, and then bottom of the fifth, uh, really, you know, the wheels kind of just fell off there. Um, O'Neill launched a three run homer. He absolutely crushed it, four hundred fifty feet, just. And he's going to be a pretty good player, I think, O'Neal. He, yeah. He's the – He's got he's the, had a lot of power this year. Yeah, he's the left fielder. He's the one that just missed the homer uh, against Garcia the day before, I believe, right? And Bader's the young center fielder. Oh, we'll, 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 we'll talk about the old Packers, Todd. Hey, see, Todd, Todd's a Brewers fan, but he's a Bears fan. So he's kind of eh, – he's, he's in the middle for me. He's weird. Kidding, Todd, I love you. <laughs> um. Nah, like I said, they, that three-run homer, uh, they they pulled the Brewers on us, really. The Brewers have been the masters of winning on the road and coming from behind, and yep. the Cardinals, they they did that to us. I mean, they were at home, but they came from behind and stole this one from us. Uh, that three-run homer, in my opinion, that was really just a game. Brewers didn't hit very well after, after the fifth inning, in my opinion. That's really all I got. I was upset at that game, so I didn't write down a lot of notes for that game. <laughs> so that, that was one that we lost. Yeah, I, I had a, I had a few takeaways. One, the Brewers only had six hits in that game. Yeah, can't really expect to win a lot of games with six hits. Um, and the Cardinals, they're still trying to get in the wild card. 
the Padres are falling hard and the Reds are trying to keep pace with the Brewers. So, you know, the, the Cardinals still have an eye on a wild card spot, even though I don't think it's going to happen for them. Um, and then Nolan Arenado came back after getting ejected the night before and had himself a good game. Um, I did want to bring up the the bright spot from that game was Hobie Milner. Um, an inning in two-thirds, no earned runs, two strikeouts, only 22 pitches. Um, that's a guy that needs to build some confidence in the majors. Um, he's, he's struggled a lot. Uh, he's one of those guys like Eric Yardley who's been up and down. And realistically, when the playoffs come around, he's not going to be involved at all. But I did just want to bring up that there was one silver lining from that game. It was Hobie Milner having a good appearance and not giving up a pair of runs like he did against the Reds. Yeah. You know, uh, this game to me kind of falls under, you know, that category where you talked about how you're, there's 162 games. You're not going to win every one of them. It just, it sucks to lose a game like that because uh, like yeah. I said, I think that was a game the Brewers could have won, but they couldn't and they didn't. And then they just moved on to Friday. Um. Well, the other thing that I texted you after that game was the Brewers still finished eight and two on that ten game road trip. Yeah. So eight and two on a ten game road trip, the Brewers just continue their dominance on the road, which still just nuts, just nuts that the Brewers continue to win that 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 well on the road. We're gonna we're gonna need it, man, uh, because come playoffs, man, we're not gonna have a lot of not gonna have a lot of big time games at home. I think we're gonna be on the road a lot. We're gonna have to really continue that road dominance. I, I would honestly the prefer that the, I would really honestly prefer the Brewers stay in the two seed. I think that's a good spot for them. Cause then they don't have to play a, a Dodgers, Padres, Reds, Cardinals, uh, coming out of the wild card. So I'd rather face the, rather face the giants in the, the championship, the yeah championship series. Um, all right. So let's talk about the nationals. Start with game one from the Nationals series. Okay, so Patrick Corbin pitched an amazing game. Uh, Brewers right. only had three hits. Hold on, hold on. I got something here. Do it. I got All right, here. do it. Patrick Corbin, six and a third, one earned, seven Ks, right? His season stats, seven and 12, tied for 63rd in wins. 5.82 ERA, tied for 45th, and 1.39 whip. Tied for 39th. That guy shut us down. And we, again, I mean, other than the three walks, Brett Anderson had a good outing, in my opinion. Five and a third, three earned runs. Those are games, like we've said before, that you have to win if you're the Brewers. Yep. And they did not. Four to one. I mean, you mentioned they had six hits. Uh, they're written down. I was going to wait until I talked about this game. But they had six hits against the Cardinals the final game, three hits against the Nationals the first game. So, the offense kind of disappeared for a few games. It is what it is, I guess. But Patrick Corbin, you know, looking at the statue, he dominated us for six and a third. So the thing with Patrick Corbin, I'm pulling up his stats because um, I knew there was something I saw previously. But um, he's actually a pretty good pitcher, honestly. Um, he's got some good stuff, and he's been – he's had – the year before, the year that he signed with Washington, his first year, he was 14 and 7 with a 325 ERA. The year before that, he was 11 and 7 with the Diamondbacks with a 315 ERA. So, Patrick Corbin is actually a good pitcher for as much as people bring up, you know, like you, you just mentioned all of his stats. He's not having a good year, but he's still a good pitcher. And for 
for Brewers fans, some you know, that's that's what we're saying about Christian Yelich. That's actually fair. He's a he's a really good player. He's just having a bad year. So I wanted to put that out there as far as Patrick Corbin is concerned because he did pitch really well and he just happened to do it against a good team. So, um, you know, that's that's good for him, bad for the Brewers, but um, true, true. So I'm going to bring this up because I'm going to talk about it again when we talk about game two. Uh, you mentioned it already. Brad Anderson had a pretty good game. He threw some really nice pitches. He was painting corners and like throwing some good breaking balls. Um, the, the, just the walks kind of caught up to him a little bit. Three walks. It's yeah, that's it's the thing. Three earned runs. You got to be able to win those games. Those yeah, are the games you got to be able to win. Um, and the other thing that sucked about this game, actually, two other things that sucked about this game, is Christian Yelich pinch hit in this game and didn't get a hit. So his hitting streak ended at eight, unfortunately. Um, and then the other thing that sucked about this game was Jake Cousins gave up his first earned run of the season. So he's now gone 19 innings pitch, only given up one run, has 27 strikeouts. So credit to David Stearns for finding more diamonds in the rough with a guy like Jake Cousins. <clears throat> All right, let's move on to game two of this series. Let's talk about game two. The most, the game I was honestly most excited to talk about because this game was awesome, man. I was um, actually at that game. Yeah, that was a great game to be at, by the way. For um, sure, Yelly, man, he had, he had me going, man. I was in my living room just partying by myself. <laughs> had a homer in the first inning. I was like, "That up, baby! That's what we've been talking about." So he hits a homer in the first, and then, oh man, there's just so much to break down in this game. I don't even know how to <laughs> work through it in my head. Colton Wong had two Dude, he's incredible plays. Two incredible plays in this game. One, he had one of the best base running plays I think I've ever seen in my life in the fifth inning. How the hell he scored on that, I have no idea. <laughs> on the fly out. And then he gets hit by a pitch and breaks the 4-4 tie. Later, uh, later in the game. And then in that same inning, right after Colton Wong is hit by the pitch, Yelly hits a grand slam, which gets everybody going. That's where I started partying. I'm like, dude, my boy is back. Let's go. He's got the power back. I mean, we talked about it, man. We thought he was going to come back. He's like, you know, we've said a million times, he's had to find holes. And when he started finding holes, he put a little history together. And you start seeing the ball a little bit. Pitchers start fearing you a little bit. And you just start cranking those babies out of there because you're Christian freaking Yelich, right? So he hits a grand slam. Williams and Hayter, they go back to their original roles where Williams gets the win and Hayter gets the save, 25th of the year. That game, I mean, there's just so much to break down. It's hard to put it into a little segment like this, but that grand slam, really, I actually stood up and was like, oh, shit, let's go. It was <laughs> right away the announcer, like right after the swing, the announcer's like, it's a yep. bomb. And I'm like, let's go, baby. I mean, you, yep. you were able to scream because you were out in public. I have a little baby in the house, so I'm not allowed to scream super loud. <laughs> yeah, that that as soon as he hit that one too, that was a no doubter, just the perfect swing. Yeah, that, no doubt about that. Um, awesome. Before I get to Colton Wong, because I'm gonna have a, a Colton Wong man crush session in a minute here. Um, <laughs> this is this is the weird game of baseball. So Eric Lauer got all over the place, um, five hits, three earned runs, three walks. Um, 
just kind of a similar game to Anderson. Anderson gets a loss. Lauer gets a no decision. Um, it's just that's baseball. Um, Jake Cousins back on track in this game. Um, Sanchez struggled a bit. Hader ended up with a save. Um, Brad Boxberger, also another scoreless inning in this game. So he's been a very, very good um, addition to this bullpen. All right. Let's talk Colton Wong because I told you I had a comparison for you. And I'm going to bring it up right now because I couldn't find any other stats for any other players that had scored tagging from third base on an infield fly a ball that close. I wasn't able to find it ever happening before. That was like and 10 feet away from the base. There was. And it's it's it baffled me because I'm watching it and I'm like, the pitcher, the first baseman, and the catcher all ran over. And then all of a sudden I see the pitcher take off. I'm like, what's going on? And then it's like Colton Wong slides into home. It's like, what? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. what? <laughs> How do you let that happen? I have How no do idea. you let that happen? That was just so nuts. And I'm just standing there like, wow. Like, wow, he really just did that. I can't imagine being a Nationals fan watching that and just like taking my hat off and just spiking it. Like, how do you let that happen? Uh, All right. So here's my comparison. Yeah, true. As, as far as, um, yes, Christopher, you're right. It doesn't count as a sack fly RBI, it gets scored as a fly out at an RBI. Um, so he did get the RBI, just didn't get the sacrifice. All right. So this is my comparison. Let me know how you feel about this. Okay. The the addition of Colton Wong to this Brewers team to me is on par with the addition of Drew Holiday to the Bucks. Oof. That's heavy and I like it because <laughs> I agree with it. That's real good. Both two-way players. Drew Holiday can score. He plays elite defense. You know, I was just talking with one of my other buddies, man. I was just like Dude, Colton Wong is a stud, bro. Like, he played – you knew he played defense, and he hits for average. He gets on base. He's a perfect leadoff hitter, and I think he's going to win the gold glove for second baseman this year. Yeah. Hey, just like Drew made first team all defense, hey, man, that's money right there. <laughs> we got to get a money, money, money. We gotta, Dude, we and they're, like, their personalities are the same, too. Like, they're, they're both calm, cool, collected dudes. Like, that was nice. I was proud of that. I thought that was a good one. All right. I'm mad I didn't do that. <laughs> uh, I'll post that on the page after this so that uh, people can uh, tell me how I was Damn, smart I am to make that comparison. Longmore, dude, because I freaking love Drew Holiday now. That is my fucking boy, dude. That is my dude, boy. I love Colton Wong, the energy that he plays with. every time When he tagged and scored on that play, which he like barely avoided the tag too, like the, the tag went right between his feet. He popped up. He's yelling. They all got the claws out. Dude just plays with energy. He's so fun to watch. Dude. And so like fun to I watch. Told you, he's the swag master, man. He's got the matching sleeve with the glove. He's got the headband, bro. He's looking fly as a bitch out there, dude. <laughs> Look good, play good, right? Yeah. So, yeah, loving Colton Wong. And, yeah, that's my comparison is, is his impact is on par with, with bringing Drew Holiday onto the Bucks. Take of the day. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right. So, game three. Let's talk about game three. Game three, man. Colton Wong jam session. Yeah. So, we're talking about Colton Wong again. And he has a homer in the first in this one. And then he had a triple in the fourth. He had three RBIs yep. in this game. 
yep. he matched the Nationals' run output. Um, also, the really important news of this game was Adrian Hauser returning and pitching three and a third, three hits, no one run. He pitched pretty good. Um, Tyler, again, was spot on. Tyler is basically the baseball guru um, talking about, you know, Ashby. Dude, Ashby is a stud. He's going to be very freaking good. Oh, yeah. Um, he's yep. got filthy stuff. I was, yep. you know, you're the baseball guy, you know, in this group, in in this duo here. So when you say stuff and then I watch the game and I'll watch and I'll be like, holy shit, that guy's got a really good slider. Tyler was right. <laughs> so, and then, yeah, I'll and then he just casually 90, throws 97. Dude, that baby was dropping out there. And I was like, yeah, that guy stood no fucking chance. And they, you know, the batter just takes his helmet off, like, yep. That guy just fucked me up. That was awesome. Aaron Ashby, dude. Sorry. Dude, he throws, he throws 97, 98, and then a slider that moves, like, the width of the strike zone at yeah, 82, dude. 83. He's a monster, dude. He's about to be good. We are about to have good pitch. The Brewers are in a good spot, just like the Bucks. Milwaukee sports are in a very good spot right now. After being the team with the worst record not too long ago, both of them. Both of them, yep. To now being in the position they are now, they built from the ground up, and they did it the right way. They did an awesome job. Um, also, you know, you talked about your boy Milner. Uh, he gave up two earned in this one. Yep. He gave up two of the three runs. The other one that was given up, Adamas had a throwing error. It is what it is. Yep. Uh, Brewers ended up winning 7-3, by the way. Uh, Strickland, zero hits. Boxberger, zero hits. Hayter comes in, pitches a third of an inning. Uh, for the second day in a row, get to save, save number 26. I mean, Kane hit a homer to center. That's always – it's just like classic Brewers, you know, the Brewers. Dude, he's got such a sweet swing when he hits homers. Like, Dude, it's always the center field, I swear to God. I'm not kidding. Doesn't oh, one, the, when he had that one game against the Cubs where he hit two homers, like those he pulled the left field. But Yeah. I swear to God, whenever I see him at a homer, it's always the center field. <laughs> he always hits the center. But the Brewers, man, this, this game, you know, kind of is the epitome of their season. You know, getting on base, hitting the long ball, good pitching. You know, getting production from a lot of guys in a lot of different areas, and I'm loving every minute of it, man. We might have two titles in Milwaukee this year, dude. I we might. Really like that. I really feel like that. So you mentioned Hunter Strickland, who's just more David Stern's wizardry. I mean, he went yeah. and got Hunter Strickland from the Angels for cash considerations, and now he's got 22 and two thirds innings pitched with the Brewers and a 119 ERA. For a dude you got for cash considerations. Yeah, it's pretty fucking good, man. <laughs> and then you you know you brought up Ashby, pitched two innings, had four strikeouts. His that was his first bullpen appearance, also, by the way. The other two games that he's pitched with the Brewers were both starts. Um actually he's got three because he had one against the Cubs, one against the Pirates that got cut short, and then he had a four inning pitching game. So this is his fourth appearance with the Brewers, first out of the bullpen. And then Boxberger again, another inning, no earned runs. He's a stud, pitching really well. And then, yep, you mentioned Hader with the save. Um, Christian Yelich, also two for five in this game. So if he hadn't pinch hit and gotten out against the Nationals in um, the first game of the series, he'd still have his hit streak going. But, you know, that happens. Um, he is eight for 23 in the last week. So he's, I would say he's back. He's, Eight for twenty three in the last week, and the um, RBI output, man, like he's he's doing his job now. He's yeah. Getting homers, he's getting RBIs, he's getting on base. He he's an he's, impact player again. He's been getting on base. I've been telling people that. Oh right, right. So yeah, now he's now he's getting the hits to go with the walks. So 
Um, he's not getting hits robbed from him as often. It's I hate that he's batting like first and second in the lineup and first baseman and stuff for making diving stops or robbing of the hits. It's irritating. Um, and can we can we stop counting last year in the sixty game season as a season? I don't. I don't count it honestly. I don't. I'm, you know, I'm talking as like a general like. Population, like, can we stop? It didn't count. Okay, the Dodgers never won the title. We know that. I don't care. I don't care about last year. You played sixty games out of one hundred and sixty-two. You played a third of a season, basically. Like, that'd be like the NBA having like a thirty-game season. Yeah, or the yeah, that's just stupid. Yeah, or like after the first month of the season, the the fucking NFL goes to the the playoffs, and the Packers are two and two, and they miss the playoffs. That'd be stupid. It's just right. dumb. Yep. So, let's so yeah, doing I don't, that. I don't really take it into consideration. But yes, I agree with you. All right, I do want to give some really quick credit. Uh, Lane Thomas for the Nationals was a big thorn in the Brewers' side during this series. Uh, he was on base ten times in three games. That's a lot. Yeah. So I wanted to give him some credit because that's what that's what I do. I I give credit where it's due. I try to be fair and impartial as far as uh, – until we the, play the Dodgers. Until we play the Dodgers. Then I'm not going to be nice and give credit because – Yeah, there, there's exceptions like the Dodgers, you know, in football, the Bears, Vikings. We don't we don't give credit to them because we just hate them and they're trash all the time, 24-7. Um, basketball, we hate the Lakers. Um, who else do we hate? We hate the Nets. Nets. Yeah. Um, that's really it. I, and and James Harden as a human being. We hate James Harden. Yep. Everything about him, the way he carries himself. Do not like James Harden. But other I'm than not that, partic- I'm not, I don't hate Kyrie, the basketball player, but I don't yeah. care. I don't uh, particularly care for how he carries himself as a person. I mean, the whole like him helping other people, I appreciate that. Right. I love when athletes use their platform for good. Yep, I agree. I just don't like when they take their platform you know, like Kyrie does once in a while, like he'll do a good thing. And then he'll be like, Oh, I'm Kyrie Irving. People listen to me talk. They're going to believe me. My followers are going to believe me. And he's one of those third eye weirdo people. Like that believes the earth is flat. Yeah. The earth is not flat, but okay. I promise you, I promise you it's not flat. I've never been out there, but I'm going to use my head and the people that are like in NASA and like, no, it's not flat. And I'm going to listen to them. Cause like that's their job. Just like yours is to take that round ball and put it in the hoop. And you're really good at that. So I trust you when you talk about basketball. But for everything good that he does, he says something stupid. So I agree with you. <laughs> and then, yeah, the whole disappearing on your team thing, like, I really can't get I can't get behind that. Like, I understand his reasoning. But just, just to try to frame it as, as a mental health thing, after the fact that you've been gone for like a month, and didn't tell anybody. So what I, I want to know I, is, where was all his mental it. health when he was, you know, a young player for the Cavs and they were sucking? Where was all his mental health when he was competing for championships with LeBron when LeBron first got there? Where was all his mental health when he was on the Celtics? Oh, wait, that's probably where it started because he started running his mouth and he started talking like he was better than he was, like he didn't need LeBron. Dude, he needed LeBron, let's be honest. All right, so let's move on to last night's game against the Reds. Pretty exciting game. The Brewers back to their come-from-behind winning ways. Uh, let's talk about game one against the Reds. 
Yeah, like you said, man, the first thing I wrote down here is another come from behind win. You know, that's just the Brewers' way of doing things this year. Uh, they won 7-4. Hater for the third third straight day got another save, so he's up to 27. Uh, Brewers, you know, back last night after their annual off day on Monday, which seems to be their off day this year is Mondays. Um, but in the seventh inning, uh, score went from 4-2 to two to 4-5, for five, and it all started with our, excuse me, man crush, Colton Wong, RBI single, Yelly sack fly, Garcia sack fly, Narvaez double, score, score three straight runs, you know, take the lead. And then Wong hits a two-run homer. It's four to seven, you know, and the new owner, Giannis Adenakumbo, is on yep. the street. And we're all pumped yep. up and we're like, dude, we're seeing Giannis. We're seeing Colton Wong hit homers. The Brewers are winning. The Bucks are champions. Life is good right now, baby. Yeah, so that game, Corbin Burns really, just that third inning really got him. That's three out of his four earned runs that he had. Um, three more walks. You got to, all the Brewers really got to work on that, especially when playoff baseball comes around. You got to cut down on those walks. Yep. So that's that's one of the things. Like when we talked about Bucks postseason, I hammered on free throws and I hammered on turnovers. For the Brewers, I'm going to be hammering on walks yep. and probably leaving runners stranded in scoring position. That's probably going to be the other thing I talk about a lot. But that being said, Small ball getting it done in the seventh inning. Um, Hader getting another save, like you said. Giannis in the stands. Uh, Colton Wong in the last week, eight for 22, nine RBI. So you put you put Colton Wong and Christian Yelich together, both of them just absolutely lighten up the top of that lineup. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say is last week when we were talking about one of the games the Brewers won, they went from six innings from a starter to Boxberger to Williams to Hayter, and that being the perfect recipe for a playoff win. Last night was the same thing. They got six innings from Burns, and then they went from Strickland to Williams to Hayter, close it out, shut the door. That's how you win playoff games. That's how it's going to go. Yep. All right. So I mentioned already that Eduardo Escobar and Tyrone Taylor are on the 10-day injured list. Freddie Peralta, like I said, probably expected back early next week. Um, and then Willie's probably just day-to-day. Now, before we move on to the Badgers, I want to do one more thing. I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but I'm going to take a break and give an appreciation for Luis Urias because he is now also on a five-game hitting streak. And he played three different defensive positions in the last week. Actually, he played three different defensive positions just in the National Series. Second base, shortstop, third base, played all three, and he's hitting well. He's only 23 years old. He's under team control for at least another two more years. So that's my Luis Urias appreciation break. So I wanted to throw that out there before we moved on. He's new Bill Hall, man. <laughs> <laughs> Except he's better defensively. Yeah. If he has to walk off on Mother's Day next year, I'll shit my pants. <laughs> just don't put him in center field. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else, Brewers, before we move into Badger football? We're going Badgers before Packers, or though we were going. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Nope. I'm good. Let's do. Uh, let's do these Badgers, brother. All right. Say what you just said again. I just want to hear it again. We're we're going Badgers before Packers, right? Nope. Say that. Say what you said before that. Well, I don't remember what I said. You said that you're right. Don't question me. All right. Let's talk Badgers, college football. 
They open the series, open the series season on September 4th. So that's coming up, uh, not this coming Saturday, but the following Saturday. So we're going to talk about the Badgers football. Um, where do you want to start? You want to start on the offense, start on the defense? Um, um, I know we talked about recruiting. We're going to do a record prediction. Let's do uh, let's do offense first. Do All offense right. First. You go ahead first. You start it off. Buddy. All right. So I know one of the hot topics as far as Badger football has been concerned is what's going to happen with the running backs. Um, we got to go Bucky Mertz season in the in the comments. I see that. Um, I'm going to talk about Mertz, and I have some very exciting potential statistics here to throw out. First, I'm going to mention the running backs. Um, Berger is going to be the number one. Uh, Ches Malusi, the transfer from Clemson, is going to be the number two. And then Braylon Allen is a guy that's got a lot of hype coming in. He's only 17 years old. I know. So he's coming in. Um, and then I'm seeing a lot of a lot of good things about Isaac Garendo. Um, he's working with the second team. He's doing a lot of good stuff. Um, as far as Braylon Allen is concerned, they want him to learn the playbook and he has gotten a little work on kick returns. So we might still see some Braylon Allen this year, um, just in some limited work. Um, and we have seen in the past that the, the Badgers have done a lot with their running backs, you know, back in the days when Bradrick Shaw was the third string running back and still getting eight carries, 10 carries a game. So, um, it may that's happen. Where, we see Braylon Allen some games. So that's worth pounding Illinois sixty to nothing in the third. <laughs> yeah, after after Melvin Gordon and James White have both done their thing, and they're like, "All right, we'll let Bradrick Shaw play for a little while." <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So, what I read from Badgers um, practices is that Mertz is locked in. He's showing off deep accuracy. Um, has had some growing pains as far as interceptions are concerned, but. Um, what I'm really excited for this year is the Badgers wide receivers. And that was the big thing that I looked at with this Badgers team coming up. That's the thing that I'm most excited for because last year, the NCAA ruled that the eligibility uh, doesn't count for that year. So you can play another year. Brad Davison is doing this in college basketball. Um, Theo John from Marquette transferred to Duke. So he's going to play a year at Duke. Um, you can play one more year with last year, not counting towards eligibility. So that being said, Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor are both now like super seniors. Um, Danny Davis is actually in his sixth year and Kendrick Pryor is in his fifth year. So I have here the stats of Graham Mertz with Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor with one of the two and with neither. So with both. Graham Mertz, 20 for 26, 76.9 completion percentage, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and a passer efficiency of 185. With one of the two, 20 for 33, a 60.6 completion percentage, one touchdown, no interceptions, passer efficiency of 120.5. And with neither of them, 78 for 134, only a 58.2 completion percentage, Six touchdowns, four interceptions for 114.8 passer efficiency. So early in the season, second game of the year, Danny Davis has a concussion, ends up keeping him out for the rest of the year. And Kendrick Pryor missed three games and obviously all the COVID issues that the Badgers had last year. So he, so Graham Mertz didn't really have either of his best wide receivers. 
He did have Kimmeray DK, who I think is going to be the Badgers' number three wide receiver. We'll see how much action he gets, but he can fly, he can catch. So I'm excited for Kimmeray DK. He's a sophomore. And then Jake Ferguson wants to become the first tight end to win. I forgot what the tight end award is called in college football. I had it. I forgot it. Yeah. Um, he wanted to be the first Wisconsin Badger tight end to win that award. So definitely looking forward to big things from Jake Ferguson this year. Um, so that's where I'm at. Graham Mertz has some pretty good weapons on the offense, in addition to being offensive lineman you, which Jake has a lot to talk about. I will when we talk about recruiting. I will have a whole bunch to talk about. But talking about the Badgers in general, last year was just kind of a mess. Uh, first, it started with the Big Ten kind of dragging their feet, you know, with the whole COVID thing. Um, Badgers got hit with COVID real bad. The concussion of Davis, obviously, you already mentioned that. You know, when the Badgers first came into the season, they were they looked great. You know, Graham Mertz came in that first game and he completed what seventeen, eighteen straight passes. Yeah, yeah, he was he was on fire. He looked great, we're, and he was everything that we talked about. When we we heard about him. You know. Yep. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Jake Ferguson being back. That's huge. You know, he's a, he's obviously a vet. He's been here for a while. He knows how to carry himself. And the Badgers have had a lot of good tight ends, man. A lot of good tight ends, you know, over the last couple of years. Uh, Berger, you mentioned him. He's going to be the lead back. He doesn't have anybody behind him. Hey, thanks, Curtis. We got something to mention about Curtis, so everybody stay tuned for that. Yep, yep. Um, Berger is going to be a monster this year. And, you know, since you already brought up Braylon Allen, he played safety and running back in high school. He is a huge running back. He is 6'2", 215, and this kid You is see like, that, that stiff arm that he had in practice a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Dude, this kid is, like, squatting, like, 600 pounds at 17. Dude, that weightlifting video, I should find that and share that on the page. That Yeah, we should find the, that the and share one that, that I again. showed you? Yeah. Yeah, all the like how fast they run, how much they're lifting, dude. Braylon Allen is a monster. He's a tr- dude. He's yeah. He was squatting like six hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah, he, that's he's insane. Like, he's like benching like three eighty five. Like, dude, he is fucking put together, man. He's a house. Um, it's crazy that yeah, it's still crazy that he was on my nephew's baseball team. I can't believe that. I bought that kid a little vanilla cone one day, and he's turned into this <laughs> gigantic man. Um. But Pryor and Danny being back is really the big news for the offense, man. They're both good receivers. They can run middle routes. They can run all the routes. They use their hands. Um, you know, talking about Graham Mertz, going back to him, make sure you buy his merchandise, man. It all looks pretty cool. Did you check any of it out or no? I didn't. I saw his logo, but I didn't check out any merch. Yeah, my boy Mikey was in the comments, bought a shirt already. So he, Mikey's the biggest Badgers fan that I know, man. He's always Badgers every day, basketball, football. What's up, Mikey? Um, but yeah, the Badgers offense is going to be back. You know, you mentioned the the splits, it's going to be back and, you know, we're going to move on to the defense. I didn't write down much for the defense because I figure, you know, we, we are what we are on defense. So the Badgers, they, they're starting to get uh, safety recruits, starting to get edge rushers, linebackers, like the Badgers are starting to become a team that really is a hot commodity for these kids that don't want to be stuck on the depth chart for two, three years, you know, on Ohio state or a Clemson or an Alabama, you know, they, or even, you know, Michigan, Michigan still gets a lot of talent, you know, because of who they are. Yep. So these kids come and to because Wisconsin for a couple of years and they make the league, you know, Wisconsin is a, they're a factory. Now they're an NFL factory. I would say that's, that's all line. You, that really is. Yeah. 
So Mike Yoder in the comments, you see him. Um, he's bringing up really good points with the offensive line that there's a lot of competition. Um, there is a couple injuries, which is true. Um, and then he mentioned some young guys to step up. This is very true. There's some young guys starting across the, the entire starting line, um, whether it's the starters or the backups. There's a lot of freshmen, sophomores. Um, and he brought up Jack Nelson, who is a freshman, uh, who will probably be the starting right guard for the Badgers. But, um, you know, we just mentioned it. The Badgers are O-line U, and, you know, if he's starting, it's because he's deserving to be the starter. And it's because he's he does what he needs to do, and it's because he's talented and deserving of that position. And Jake brought up a good point. You know, you don't have to sit for a year or two no. like you would at a, you know, at an Ohio State. You know, the <clears throat> one thing that you always think of when you think of Wisconsin is running the ball. And with running the ball, you always think of gigantic horses in front of them. These gigantic human beings who are 6'8", 330 pounds, and they're wearing those big old knee braces on yep, both double legs. knee braces, yep. Every lineman has one because they're so huge. They, like all that's these a, guys. That's a Wisconsin got, rule. That's, a, that's a program I rule. I know it is because they're so huge. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand how Russell Wilson saw over that offensive line. <laughs> we got him prepped for the NFL, man. Yeah. Um, we we are O-line you, man. We just pump out offensive linemen every year to the NFL. Okay, Curtis. Settle down, Curtis. Curtis settle down. He's coming. We're coming for you, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you got? Uh, do you want to? Do you want to get into your recruiting a little bit here because it applies a lot to the offensive line? Before you talk yeah, about the defense, yeah, I'll get in. Um, so I just wrote down the four stars and five stars that we had uh, coming in this year on uh, the 2021 class. We had one five star. His name is Nolan Rushi. He is six foot eight, two hundred ninety five pounds. And the thing about him is I did a little bit of research. His dad actually played in the NFL. He started 75 games between 1993 and 1999 for the New England Patriots. He was a second-round pick out of Penn State. So he has an NFL dad who probably taught him, you know, all the ins and outs. And really when I was looking at Nolan, he's already – they're projecting, you know, how his career is going to go at Wisconsin already, really. And they're mm -hmm. saying that he's going to be a top-10 pick when he's drafted. So, I mean, that's that's crazy to hear. He, he's a left tackle, right tackle, whatever. He's a tackle. Um, then we have five four-star players. Uh, one of them is Braylon Allen. We already brought him up. He's listed as a linebacker. He's out of Fond du Lac, if you didn't know that. He's a monster. Like, dude is literally a house. He's, like, for the Badgers, I would say he's the A.J. Dillon. Everybody watches him in practice, run people over, and he's just, he's just a human being full of muscle. He's just, you know. <laughs> Uh, we got Hunter Waller. He's a safety, four-star, 6'1", 190. You know, he flies around the field, picks the ball off. He's kind of a ball hawk, in my opinion, when I was watching him. And then TJ Bowler, he's an edge rusher, 6'3", 250. Like I said, Badgers are starting to get more and more of these defensive recruits because the defense the last couple of years has really been known as top 10, top 5 defense. You know, if you don't go to Alabama as a defense player, I would say Wisconsin's a pretty good place to be, man. A lot of people, you know, getting coached by a Jim Leonard, a guy that was in the NFL for a while. He's getting looked at for D.C. jobs now. So he probably has a lot of connects in the NFL. So you come to Wisconsin, you're going to get looked at. And then the last two I'll bring up. I just – I was talking to Tyler before the show. And I'm like, Tyler, where do these pump out – where do they pump out these 6'8", six, 6'7", six, 300-pound high school kids? Because I really, really want to know 
Texas? <laughs> I just don't get it, man. We got JP. I don't remember how to say his last name. How do you Benchwell. Benchwell. And Ricky Melman. Benchwell is 6'7", 285. Riley is 6'7", 290. On top of, you know, Nolan, I mentioned that 6'8", 295. All these guys are going to start on the offensive line. Imagine getting laid on by 6'7", 300 pounds for 60 minutes. Holy shit, man. Talk about tired. Imagine all three starting at one time. I mean, it's impossible because all three of them are, are tackles. But right. I'm just saying, that would be insane. You could bring one in as an extra extra blocker on one play. You know what I mean? Have What's in as a tight end? 300-pound guys on one side. It's crazy. I mean, Badgers, O-line you. They always bring in all these huge, you know, gigantic five-star, four-star linemen. And, you know, edge, safety, linebacker, three of their, you know, top six recruits are all defensive. So if you have offensive line, you have defense, you give yourself a chance to win. That's why the Badgers are a continuous threat in the Big Ten West, the Big Ten in general. And, you know, if they get quarterback play out of Grand Merce this year, who knows, man, college playoff could be calling us. We'll see. It could. And as far as the defense is concerned, Jim Leonard is the man. Yeah. We know that he was in in contention for an NFL job, obviously, because it was in state. But um, Jim Leonard's the man. Um, switching to the defense, uh, Mike in the comments again, defensively it'll come down to the secondary. We've had a lot of issues, mainly at the cornerback position. Um, I've actually heard a lot of good things about Fayon Hicks. Um, he's a senior this year, but – We'll see what happens with the corners this year. I'm honestly excited for the safeties, actually. I'm really excited for Scott Nelson um, as far as the as far as the secondary is concerned. Um, they had they seem to have decent depth all over, as, except for defensive line is the only area that they don't really have a lot of depth. Um, they had two guys graduate, both the defensive ends um, moved on. So as far as training camp has gone, what I've read is that the defense is shaping up really well. They're getting a lot of sacks and turnovers against the Badgers offense. Obviously, when you're playing against another team, you know what plays they're running and stuff. So you have, you know, a little bit of knowledge of what the other team is or the other side, still your same team, is doing. But it's still good to see that. And I expect that, honestly, from a, a Badgers defense and a Jim Leonard defense. So I expect the defense to be good. I really do. So that's you, that's where I'm at with the defense. Pressure. Yeah, and that's that's where I'm at. I don't really have a lot for the defense besides that I expect it to be good because that's how Jim Leonard has that, that's what developed the program. Yeah. That's what history tells us. History tells us that Badgers are good on defense. They're good at running the ball. They have giant horses up front. It all comes down to skill position. You know, I texted you this earlier. The Badgers <laughs> have always really just been a couple athletes behind in Ohio State mm-hmm. or yep. in Oklahoma or, you know, teams like that. LSU. You know, in, they're, they're starting to get those athletes, you know, like I mentioned a, a bunch of times, you know, with, on defense. The other, the other thing with the Badgers that is a staple is linebackers. Yeah. Wisconsin turns out some, a lot of good linebackers. Obviously, TJ Watt is a, is a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, like even Zach Bond made it into the league. Um, I think TJ Edwards is with the Saints. Um, Joe Schobert just got traded from the Jaguars to the Steelers. So now there's two Badgers in Pittsburgh. I mean, um, who am I thinking of? He was on the Packers for a little bit. He has a mullet. Uh, Vince Beagle. He's still in the league. 
Uh, Van Ginkle still in the league, unless you mention him. He's still on Miami. He's he's still making an impact. Yep. I mean, there's there's a lot of linebackers now, and that that's yeah. just from the last I would say five ten years. Like, yeah, yeah, yep. I mean, Badgers are they're starting to become an NFL factory. You know, like I'm continue to say they they're starting to pump out some players. They're not they're not up there with a Clemson or an Alabama or Alabama, right. Like that. We're middle of the pack. We're respected. If you're a good player and you don't want to sit on the depth chart, you can come here, make an impact right away, get noticed, get that money, baby. All right. Do you have anything else you want to bring up before we talk schedule and records? Um, I wish the Packers started a day or the Badgers started a day before because then it would be like the greatest birthday present ever, but it is what it is. I'll take it a day after too. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the schedule and give a record prediction. Yes. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. All right, I'll let you give the preview real quick of what's going to happen in week nine when we uh, when we play Iowa. Okay, so uh, my brother Curtis Johnson, uh, beloved Wisco fanatics, uh, you know, fan, and he comes on the show, teaches us all about how people punch pe- pe- other people in the face properly. Um, he actually sadly lives in Iowa. So he grew up in Iowa and Wisconsin, kind of both. So he's a little bit of both fan, but he's more of a Hawkeyes fan. So I texted him and Tyler in our group chat and I said, you guys want to do a pie bet, you know, for this Iowa and Wisconsin game and Curtis is all for it. So if Wisconsin wins, Curtis is coming on this show. He's going to get pied in the face. It's going to be awesome to watch. Or if Wisconsin loses and Tyler and I are sad, we're going to clean our tears up with pies to our faces. I don't see that happening since it's in Madison. I'm just going to let you know that right now, Curtis. I have the Badgers written out for a W. So there's another pie bet on the on the radar for all the people waiting for those pie bets. I'm going to throw this out there. I think if you and I are both taking a pie, if Iowa wins, I think Curtis should have to take two. Two pies? Double pie? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you and I would each have to take one. That's two pies. He should have to take two. <laughs> hey, if he's down for it, I'm with it. I'll I'm talk to Chelsea. It. She'll be all right with it. <laughs> she she just two hands. Yeah. <laughs> Curtis, so pumpkin, what kind of pies are you Curtis, wanting? Pumpkin? You do not want a pumpkin pie. That shit hurts, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be heavy. <laughs> that shit would hurt like hell. It smacked the hell out of you, man. Nah, I get something light and fluffy, man. There's all of that. Chelsea's watching. She said yes. <laughs> that was funny. All right. So, Badgers open up against Penn State. Definitely a tough game to open up the season with. Yeah. Uh, then they play Eastern Michigan, have a bye week. Then Notre Dame at Soldier Field. Then they play Michigan at Illinois, Army, Purdue. Then there's that Iowa game. Yep. At Rutgers. Northwestern, Nebraska, and at Minnesota. So that being said, what kind of stuff are you looking for in this schedule, and what do you have for a record prediction? All right. So to start off, that Penn State game, that's incredibly tough. Um, tough. The thing that that really swings it for me personally is, you know, when you look when you look at the schedule and you break it down, a lot of our games, Curtis is laughing. Curtis, you are not going to like taking that pie to the face. From telling you from experience, Tyler does not know what I'm feeling. So I'm gonna hold on to that. I will hold on to the I know you will. I'm gonna say it before you say it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but Penn State, they're gonna be better. Um the thing about the Badger schedule is a lot of their tough games are at home. 
Yep. They have one game that's kind of tough. That's that could be tough. That's the last game of the year at Minnesota yep. and yep. Notre Dame and Chicago neutral site. So I have one, two, three, four. I have four stars. So four games that I'm really going to break down. The Penn State to start the season. There's going to be a lot of a lot of nerves going for both teams. The Badgers being at home is really going to push them ahead, in my opinion. It's going to be a really, really close game. Might get a little ugly at times, in my opinion, because you know these are young kids and they didn't play against a, you know in front of a crowd last year. So it could get a little sloppy, in my opinion, the first game back, especially. And then having you know going against the Eastern Michigan will be nice. They're gonna they're gonna wipe Eastern Michigan off the off the field. So they're gonna start two and zero. Notre Dame at, in Chicago. Notre Dame travels well. So even though it says neutral site, I know Badgers travel well too. Uh, Wisconsin sports fans, we are awesome. We travel really, really well, and we support our teams no matter what. But Notre Dame is a huge following. They're one of the classic teams in college football. So I actually have this game as an L. Going against Michigan at Illinois, Army. Excuse me. Those are all wins. At Purdue, I have written down as a trap game. That's one that I didn't put a star, but I was thinking about it. I was like, that could be one where Badgers are that, – that's the game this year where that's like the game where, like, we lose to a Northwestern or we lose yep. to Illinois. You know, before we play Iowa at home and the Badgers and you know, these young kids, that's going to be on Chris, you know, to make sure yep. that these kids are all Not looking ahead at Purdue. I have them winning that game. I have them beating Iowa. Iowa is really the only competition in the Big Ten West. Yep. Uh, Rutgers. Northwestern is another game. I wrote – a lot of emotions um, on this page when I talked about Northwestern because they always seem to get us, especially, you know, we're going to have one loss going into a game in early November. People are going to start talking. They're going to start being like, can they beat Ohio State? Mm-hmm. Can they make the college football playoffs? You know, one yep. loss going up to that point is going to be crazy. If they get through that, they're going to get through Nebraska. At Minnesota is the other game where I'm really, really thinking about it. It could be – 11 and 1 or 10 and 2. We <clears throat> talked about it. 10 and 2 really sounds like a Badgers record. Yep. But for me, I have us bringing the axe home. I have us losing to Notre Dame. And I have us playing Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. So I do agree with you on <clears throat> winning the Big Ten West. Um, I do also agree with you on the Notre Dame game. Uh, I do think that'll be the one that if the Badgers, um, the Badgers struggle with. Yeah. So you mentioned the Minnesota game. That's the other one that I also have a big star, but I also put an asterisk next to that next to that game. So I do have the Badgers either ten and two or eleven and one. That Minnesota game last year, the Badgers played Minnesota. They beat them twenty to seventeen on a last second field goal. Now, I wanted to bring this up. I have an asterisk next to this game because the Badgers won this game twenty to seventeen. They missed a field goal in that game. They had no Jalen Berger in that game. They had no Kendrick Pryor and no Danny Davis. That's your top three. Well, Jake Ferguson is probably the other one, but that's three of your top four offensive weapons not in that game. Yeah. Plus a missed field goal. So I wanted to bring that up just because that's, like I said, I put an asterisk and a star next to that game because that'll be one to keep an eye on, but also one that they could and should win. That being said, just because Jake and I have Wisconsin as potentially losing to Notre Dame 
obviously doesn't mean we don't think they can win. Obviously, this Badgers team can win, especially with the way that you know we talked about it. Jake just mentioned it. This Penn State game, probably going to get ugly at times. Yeah. The Badgers will definitely win ugly games this year. That Badgers-Hawkeyes game, that game's going to be ugly. The Badgers-Penn State game's probably going to be ugly. Badgers-Notre Dame's definitely going to be ugly. But the Badgers have the best players for their team at the positions that you need to grind out ugly wins. They have good offensive line, good linebackers, good running game. That's where you want to be if you're going to play ugly. You know, I was going to say two things, and I was going to use one thing that you always say because sometimes you just come up with these one-liners, and I love them. <laughs> we talked about baseball, and you talked about how pitching travels you know, on the road, and that's why the Brewers are so good on the road. The Badgers could easily win a lot of road games because run game and defense travels. That's yep. things that that's things that travels. You know, when you got yep. big big hogs up front, you know, I keep talking about it, but when you think about Wisconsin football, you think about those big boys up front. Yep. You tell them to lay on them for 60 minutes, control the clock, and Graham Mertz don't make the mistake. And then I was gonna make a joke. I was gonna say, you know, the Badgers will probably just continue the tradition of a Wisconsin team winning in Soldier Field every year. <laughs> so I look forward to that against Notre Dame. Also, did you see what Braylon Allen did on Instagram? I did not. So the Badgers are obviously they have well, not obviously. If you don't know, they have you know some new custom uniforms that they're wearing against Notre Dame for that matchup. Yeah, it's be a primetime game. Yep. Notre Dame did the same thing. They released their uniforms. Braylon Allen took one of the captions of the Notre Dame uniforms and he put it on his story on Instagram and said. They showing up ugly to Chicago, laughing faces. So he's already starting the trash talk. He's already about that business. I'm loving Braylon Allen, dude. The Badgers have always needed a little bit of swagger on their team. Yeah, I agree. The Wisconsin football teams are so old-fashioned, man. Catch up, man. This ain't 1982 anymore, man. We like talking trash. We like hitting you in the mouth and letting you know about it. I like that stuff. That, that energy resonates with the whole team. You get a guy that hits somebody, forces a fumble, and lets him know about it, that whole team gets jacked up. These are a bunch of 18 to 20-year-old kids, man. Let them be kids. Play with some adrenaline. Yeah, let them be kids. Yeah, show some teeth. Yeah, I like you. So, 11-1, you have 11-1. It's going to be a better year in Madison. Absolutely. Um, What I want to say is something I've always said about the Badgers. I honestly enjoy watching them play defense more than I enjoy watching them play offense. It's so fun watching the Badgers play defense just because of how good they always are on defense. So you like watching people choke the life out of somebody or what? I don't I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm so used to watching the Packers and they suck at tackling so often that I watch the Badgers and they make every single tackle and just constantly have pass rush that maybe that's why I like it. I don't know. Dude, if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. When I watch the Badgers, I get to watch the team, the Wisconsin team that plays defense. And when I watch the Packers, I get to watch the Wisconsin team that plays offense. If I've said it once, I said it a million times. I'm telling you. That's accurate. There you go. That's your one liner. Now you have one too. (laughs) (laughs) Jake's first catchphrase. Congratulations, everybody watching. You got Jake's first catchphrase. You're welcome. All right. Do you do you have anything else Badgers related as far as a primer is concerned? We'll probably talk about uh, we'll probably preview the Badgers Penn State game a little bit next week before the season opener. But um, as far as 
primer goes, is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm Wisconsin, baby. Curtis, you're getting that pie, boy. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move into the Packers. I texted Jake Monday that I was re-watching the Packers preseason game. So I just wanted to go through. Um, last week we gave we had Josh on with us last week. Talked about three players on offense, three players on defense to keep an eye on during these last two preseason games. So we just want to kind of give an update on the offensive and defensive players we said to watch. And then just a couple takeaways from the um, from the preseason game versus the Jets. And then I'm going to play a little game with Jake of in or out on guys that are kind of on the roster bubble to see if they will be in or out. So let's do offensive players first. Jake, just run through your three real quick and let me know what uh, what you saw from them. Okay, first thing I'd like to say is we gave our players last week and the Packers really took my considerations and really just made my notes very easy this week. So I just wanted to say thank you. Um, you made you made my hopefully future career very easy this week. So my first one was Jordan Love. I basically just copied and pasted over to another page. My first one was Jordan Love. Obviously, we all know he didn't play. In his place was Benkert, and he looked pretty good, man. 18 to 25, 151 yards, 84 rating. I mean, he looked like he was making the right reads and kind of just dinking and dunking and taking his shots when he had the right opportunities. He missed that one long pass to Begleton, I think it was, on the left side yep. line, which I yep. didn't like. But other than that, I mean, I think he played pretty well. Um, you want me just to go through all three, right? All right. Three. Before you move on, I'm going to throw this out there just because I saw it pop up in a Packers group. Bankert is not going to be the backup quarterback over Jordan Love. Jordan Love is the backup quarterback this year. Yes. Don't get it twisted because Jordan Love missed a game because he was kind of hurt and they didn't want to rush him back. Jordan Love's the backup quarterback this year. Kurt Bankert is number three. So I'm just going to piggyback off that real quick. Jordan Love, they are going to baby him. He is the future. They are investing everything in this kid. Yep. They traded up in the first round. They didn't tell Aaron Rodgers all the drama. Nobody, you know, he sat last year to learn. They were just like, listen, you're going to sit here and you're going to eat all your goddamn vegetables. He ate all his vegetables. Now he's the backup quarterback. He's going to get – He's going to be looking over – he's going to be looking over Matt LaFleur's shoulder the entire season. Yes, and and on the sidelines, after every offensive drive, whether we punt, whether Rodgers throws an interception when he does that four times a year, or whether we – you know, he throws his 50 touchdowns, he's going to be sitting next to Aaron Rodgers and Rodgers yep. will be breaking down the film on that little iPad yep. and showing him everything. Yep. So let's move on from Jordan Love because he's the backup quarterback. Got yep. that going. Yep. So Jay Sternberger was my number two. You know, I talked about how the tight end room is getting a little crowded. There's a lot of guys, a lot of talent. Sternberger, two catches, five yards. He caught that touchdown from Menkert. What do I think about Stern? I think he's a guy that got talent. I think he's a guy that actually has value. He could stretch the field down the middle a little bit. If he holds on to the damn ball, it hurts me so much that I have to say that about so many Packers players. If he holds on to the damn ball, he could be a good player. But we got all these other guys. I mean, Degara, Big Dog, Tanyan. I mean, Tunyon. Sorry, I said his name wrong. Yeah. I mean, we have so many. I mean, Daphne, still, he came on late in the year. He caught that touchdown against the Bears. I mean. He plays well on special teams. Yeah, there's just there's a lot of players that, you know, I don't know if Sternberger is going to make the roster. I would probably say no at this point. So battle at wide receiver. This is where the Packers really made my decision really easy. So Malik Taylor balled out. Yeah, he did. He played like an absolute monster. Yeah, you know, like, like three or four nice catches. 
Yeah, really nice four, catches. He had four catches for 66 yards. That's a pretty good output for a guy. And like three of them were contested. Yeah. And he had that one nice comebacker on the left sideline again. Yep. Um, Real quick on the subject of Malik Taylor. Really quick. What's up? Just because I think it's it's pertinent to news that came out today that Devin Funchess is going on IR. Um, I do think Malik Taylor could sneak onto the roster. Oh, yeah. He, he's with, – with that happening, with Funchess going on IR, that's where they made my job easy. It sucks. I was really, really excited to see what Funches could do with a guy like Rodgers. Yep. Funches is a big guy, big red zone target. Rodgers is always known for the guy that with ball placement, you know, he always puts the ball where his guy, you know, can get it and the defense doesn't have a chance. And Funches has always been a guy that's really good at high pointing the ball, really. So, you know, Funches going on IR, that really sucks. I was really, really excited to see what he could bring to the roster. All right. Real quick and, now again. You know what the Devin Funches injury does? What's that? I'm going to say it right now. Amari Rogers season. Oh, I, 100%. We invested a third-round pick on Amari Rogers. Oh, yeah. That's that's freeze-up targets for Amari Rogers. Oh, yeah. Him, I mean, the comments that Rogers made today about Randall Cobb, Cobb's going to touch the ball a lot. Yep. Um, we already know that Devontae Adams is going to have 200 targets <laughs> with the extra game. He'll probably get up to 200 somehow. He, he might. Yeah. We got to run the ball yet. I mean, Packers offense is just all systems go at this point. Curtis um, asked uh, if you saw what Devontae said about Stokes. Yeah, about how he's uh, he's kind of like Sam Shields, where he can get beat on yep. a plane. He has the recovery speed to yep. – I love Sam Shields. So yeah. His only problem was concussions. Amen. Sam Shields was great. Dude, he gives me them feel-good feelings, man. I love Sam Shields, bro. I love Sam Shields. Um, EQ. What do you think about EQ? I'm gonna I I wrote this down because I wanted to ask you a former question. What do you think about Equinius St. Brown? What is uh, your opinion? All right, I'm gonna say what uh what I think, and then I'm gonna leave that as foreshadowing because I'm gonna ask you again about him later. Um EQ, I think he's he's just never really been able to make a jump over a guy like MVS, over a guy like Lazard. So he's always been a roster fringe player. Yeah. And he's never <clears throat> as far as preseason training camp is concerned, he's never done enough to separate himself to earn a, a spot on the roster where he can actually make an impact. So while he may have the talent, um, I do think his younger brother in Detroit is going to end up being a better player than him. And obviously his draft capital would suggest that, but um, he's, I mean, maybe he'll find success with another team. That's not as deep at wide receiver as the Packers are as far as, you know, a three, four, five, six, seven is concerned. Um, the Packers obviously had the best receiver in the game in Devonte. I do believe that Randall Cobb is going to be the second leading receiver on this team. As far as receptions are concerned. Um, that's, that's where I'm at with that. Say about it. And yeah, we'll see. So where you go from there is obviously Amari, we just mentioned, but then you have Lazard, MVS, EQ, Malik Taylor. Reggie Begleton was looking for a spot. He had a really nice catch um, in this game. Um, coming back to the sticks, like that's something Amari Rogers and Reggie Begleton both did in this game, was getting right to the sticks and then sitting down so Kurt Benker could hit him right at the sticks for first downs. Um, and then Reggie Begleton had a really nice punt return in this game too. So he's looking for a roster spot. 
there's the it's not the Packers don't have a ton of great wide receivers. But like I said, that three, four, five, six, seven, that's it's really muddy. Um, and I just don't think EQ has done enough to separate himself to make the roster. But I'm gonna ask you about him again later. I mean, the thing the <clears throat> thing about EQ is you know, with Funches going on IR, and I talked about how Funches has that size and he could be a red zone threat. And Rodgers is the ball placement guy. EQ yep. can be that guy. But seeing him drop that, that two-pointer that was right here in the middle of his chest <coughs> championship game last year, that doesn't make me feel good. You know, yep. because, again, with Aaron Rodgers, we are going to be in the middle. We are going to be looking to win the title. That is the expectation every year in Green Bay. Yep. And if you can't catch a two-point conversion, you can't catch a cold football this ain't the spot for you, man. And you're not. And as soon as Rodgers doesn't trust you, it's you're not getting them. targets. Yeah. And after seeing what he said about Randall Cobb, if you didn't, I'll uh, I'll send it over to Tyler, and Tyler can put it on the page. I'll put it on the Instagram too. But you know, Rodgers talked about how smart Randall Cobb is. You know, the adjustments he makes on the fly, and you know, the wow factor that he has. And you know, if like you're talking about Rodgers trust, Rodgers trusts two people at the end of the day on this receiving core. That's Devontae. Yep. And that's Randall Cobb. Yeah. So those are the people that he's looking for most of the time. I mean, they, they probably will keep seven wide receivers. Yeah, they, they, they very well might. They might. I it's, think they're only going to keep cut them He looks like that, but Saturday's game will tell a lot about what's going to happen. I agree. So I'm going to let you go through your offense, and then we'll do defense. All right. So my three offensive players to watch were Jordan Love, Kylan Hill, and Josh Myers. Where we're at right now. Uh, Josh Myers, I'm 90% sure is going to be the starting center. Um, and I do want to throw this out there because I mentioned it last week and you and Josh disagreed that Lucas Patrick was taking the backup center reps. No, he's the right guard. He was playing center on, on Saturday against the Jets. Yeah. He was the backup center and he had two penalties. What the hell is going on with Jake Hansen then? I, I don't, I didn't, honestly, I didn't see him at all. Maybe that's a good thing when we, you know that you don't because you don't hear his name, that he's not committing penalties. But Lucas Patrick was playing center, and he committed two penalties. Oh, um, yeah. He was wearing that funky-ass helmet, bro. The, all the offensive linemen have that new helmet that has the extra bump on it, which I think is a really good thing as far as the NFL is concerned um, because, you know, those guys are going head-to-head literally the entire game. So having that extra that extra bump on that helmet just gives that extra space so hopefully that cuts down on on CTE stuff in the future for them. Okay, I got one thing. Can that fit inside the face mask and hit somebody in the nose? Because that was my no. first concern when I saw that. No, because okay. that that the top where that top of that is, that's still where the top of the face mask starts. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not like the brim of a hat. So like it doesn't start here. It's you know the face mask still starts here. Yeah, so it's not a. Yeah, it's not like the brim of a hat. It's still the face mask starts right on the end of that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, Lucas Patrick, yeah, I don't think he's going to be taking reps at center even when Bakhtiari's back. So, I'm like I said, I'm 90% sure that Josh Myers is going to be the starting center. Um, like I mentioned last week, he's coming from Ohio State, which is usually a pro-ready program. So, if Rodgers has the confidence in him and, and he – conveys that to josh myers i think they'll be fine um obviously jordan love didn't play you already brought it up and i already mentioned he's the backup i do only think the packers are only going to keep two quarterbacks on the roster when they have to cut their 
roster down to 53 next Tuesday. I do think they're only going to carry two. Um, and then Kylan Hill. Kylan Hill's a really interesting player. Um, I brought him up last week as far as the third running back on the roster, and I do think it's going to be Kylan Hill over Dexter Williams just because he does other things that Dexter Williams doesn't do as well, and that's special teams, so kick returns, um, and he's got that breakaway speed. Um, he showed it on Saturday when he had the play where he got the handoff, did the stiff arm, bounced it outside, and scored. I think it was a 22-yard touchdown. So Kylan Hill's got that speed. And then um, he ripped off some really nice runs in the second quarter, some 10, 15-yard runs. He keeps his legs churning. He pushes the pile forward, something that A.J. Dillon does really well. Um, But A.J. Dillon doesn't just push the pile forward. He picks the pile up and carries it another five yards. Uh, he did have one really nice run play that was negated by a penalty Um, and he the one thing that I really noticed about Kylan Hill is he never goes down on first contact like the first contact that's made with him that doesn't bring him down so he's really good for yards after contact type running um, which is something that Josh likes to bring up with Aaron Jones a lot when he calls him the human pinball machine Um, but that's something that Josh mentioned last week that Kylan Hill is a similar profile to Aaron Jones, um, just play style wise. And then the last thing I noticed about Kylan Hill was there was a third down play. And just like I mentioned with Amari Rogers and Reggie Begleton, he went, sat right down at the sticks. He beat a linebacker, came right to the sideline and Benker was able to hit him for a first down. So that's the, that's the mental stuff. He's got the physical talent, but the mental stuff coming with that, like getting right to the first down marker, not being a yard in front of it or a foot in front of it, being just a step behind it, and then turning, beating the linebacker, and being able to convert that first down. That's something that really, really, really is a big deal as far as roster construction is going to go. So I do think he's going to beat out um, Dexter Williams for that that third running back spot. Man, it kind of sucks for Dexter Williams because he's a good player. He's just... You know, he's, he's kind of like an EQ where he's kind of just been stuck behind a really, really talented group, in my opinion. Yeah, and the Packers like Dexter Williams. They've kept him around for what, four years now. Mm-hmm. And he's just never really been able to crack the roster because the Packers have had talented running backs. Yeah, Aaron Jones, top 10. Jamal Williams is a good player. They drafted Never Dillon. fumbles. Yeah. I mean, A.J. Dillon is a monster. And now Kylan Hill looks like he, he's everything expected. I mean, he's a seventh round pick, and he's pretty goddamn good. Dude, he's a dude. Kylan Hill was a steal in the seventh round. I keep I keep bringing it up yeah, that Kylan Hill was a steal in the seventh round just because he had some issues with his coaches in college. No, he's he's gonna be a monster. All right. Do you have anything else about the offense before we talk about our defensive players? Um, I just wanted to mention. I think the offensive line was a little bit better this last week um, than the prior week. They, you know, the week before. Didn't seem like Jay Love had a lot of time. Uh, obviously, they got coached up and yelled at all week before this game. So, give a little props. I think they played a little bit better this week. All right. So, let's move to defense. Jake, give your three defensive players that you had to watch and then some takeaways you had for them. So, my first one was Eric Stokes. You know, you invest the first-round pick in a guy, you expect him to be good. He had one tackle, one pass defense. Didn't play much after that. I mean, Eric Stokes is going to be everything that we expect him to be. He's long, he's athletic, he's fast. Yeah. So, Eric Stokes, he's going to be – honestly, 
I would start him over Kevin King. I can understand why they wouldn't. But me personally, with the new DC, you know, that doesn't, you know, that that gives me reason to start at Eric Stokes with the new DC because now they're all on a fresh slate. You know, Jair's corner number one. He's one of the best corners in the league. My opinion, he's the best. Other people is Jalen Ramsey. It could be Zombie and Howard. Is what it is. He's top three. Yep. Eric Stokes should be that other starting corner, in my opinion. But they'll probably end up starting Kevin King. Shannon Sullivan's kind of been one of those guys. Last year, I had Shannon Sullivan as a watch guy, but he kind of fell off a little bit. Didn't have the season I expected him to have. Yeah, he's he he'll be hot. a nickel corner. Yeah, he, he's all right. He's a good depth guy. My yeah, opinion. yep, I agree. Um, but Eric Stokes is everything. I got two people written down for my number two because I wanted to mention Heflin. I'll let you have you him. stop. Leave him alone. Heflin's mine. He's one. He's one of yours, but he is impressive. But my man. To Daryl Slayton is killing it. He is a truck. He is pushing the pile. And now at 340 pounds, he is getting four tackles, three solo, one sack, one tackle for loss, and a quarterback hit. He is – he's a steal in the fifth round. We're just talking about uh, Kylan Hill being a steal in the seventh round. You know, Slayton looks like a steal in the, in the fifth round because he's just a big, massive human being pushing the pile. So I'm liking T.J. Slayton. And my last one, again, the Packers did it twice for me now. They made my job very easy. My last one was Oren Burke slash middle linebackers. So with them cutting Kamal Martin, which was kind of an odd move, but you understand it because he was never healthy. Yep. You know, Campbell, Barnes, Kamal, and Summers. You know, on top of Oren Burks, we're all kind of fighting for those spots. They're going to keep Summers. Summers is a really good special teams player. He's fast. Yep. You know, Barnes and Campbell are going to be your starters. So, really, yep. the odd man out was Kamal Martin. He had to go. Oren Burks looked really good. You know, the week before, he looked good again. Yep. He had two tackles. Both of them were solo. So, Oren Burks is showing a lot of speed and a lot of read and react. And with the court, with the linebacker whisper as our DC, maybe he can get the most out of an Oren Burks and a Ty Summers. So, one thing I do want to mention is I'm really, really looking forward to Chris Barnes turning into a household name and middle linebacker because last year he showed instincts, you know, with Patine as our defensive coordinator. But, you know, I think I think this year, I think Barnes is going to take a huge step and he's going to become a household name. I really believe yep. that because when we, when we talk some takeaways, when we talk some takeaways, he's coming up when I when we talk about takeaways. All right, buddy. Well. I'm ready for your three defensive players. All right, so my three defensive players to watch were obviously Daryl Slayton. Jake already brought him up. Uh, KB on Ento and Jack Heflin. Now, KB on Ento didn't do didn't do a whole lot in this game, which one of those things that I say when we talk about Jair Alexander is if you don't hear his name, that's a good thing. It means he's not committing penalties. It means he's not giving up big plays. So if, if it's quiet on the side of the field where he is, that's good news. Um, so KB Anento, not a whole lot to report. He's probably going to make the team. I'm going to ask Jake about him in a minute here, but the other guy that I want to talk about is Jack Heflin. I am major pulling for this guy to make the roster because he does not give up at all on a single play. <clears throat> Jets ran a screen play. They got three, four yards past the line and Jack Heflin went and made the play. He made the tackle on the screen. He doesn't give up on any plays. There's a run play. Um, went to the if you're the offense, went to the left side, and Jack Heflin got off his block. He went and dove 
to make a tackle to finish off a tackle. I think it would have been like an assisted tackle, but um, he's out there giving 150% effort every single play. And he's, he's trying to get pass rush. He's tackling well. He's not giving up on plays. And like I said, he's playing 150% effort. So I am major pulling for Jack Heflin to make the roster. Um, yeah. Jake already mentioned Slayton. So what's that? Heflin had four tackles, two solo, and he had two quarterback hits. Two quarterback hits. Uh, if you get quarterback hits out of your big boys up front in a 3-4, amazing. Absolutely amazing. That means they're pushing Stop. the pocket up the middle. That's yep. all you can ask for, man, really. And you're, and you're keeping – Quarterbacks that like to run and move outside the pocket, which is something that Justin Fields does. When we see when we see Justin Fields later in the year, that's that's something where you can contain quarterbacks with three defensive linemen. That's a big deal. Well, I'm sure Heflin's not a big fan of Fields as Heflin went to Iowa and Fields yep. Ohio State. Yeah, so I'll give you that one, Curtis. If you're still watching, you you gave us Jack Heflin, so I'll. I'll I mean, I'll they gave us Iowa Mike Daniels that. too, so that was cool. <laughs> All right, so yeah, and then I mentioned KB Anento and, and Tadaro Slayton were my other two. Jake already talked about Slayton. He's definitely making the roster. Um, and KB Anento is on the bubble, and I'm pulling for him. Um, we'll see how how far they go with cornerbacks. If they keep five, KB Anento might be that fifth corner. Um, tough, but we'll see. They got to cut down. I think they're at 80 right now, and they got to cut down to – they got to cut – no, they don't have to be down to 53 next Tuesday, do they? Uh, no, I don't believe it's 53. I think they have to be down to like 65. Yeah. Well, they have to cut like 20, like 25 players, I think. Total. 25 or 26 players. Oh, so then to do that would be all the way down to 53 next Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. We'll see. There, there's going to be mean, some they good did... players that are on our practice squad that might get stolen by other people. I'm just saying. It's, yeah, it's possible. Um, they did cut Chris Blair, Crawford, the tight end. They traded Kadar Holman to Houston. So that does open up a potential spot for KB Anento. Um, and then you mentioned you mentioned Kamal Martin. Um, I wanted to talk about him just because this kind of transitions well into our takeaways. I liked Kamal Martin. He seemed to have a nose for the ball. He seemed like a decent tackler. He needed a little work on it, but um, Jake already mentioned the questionable health and then watching, watching him in this jets game, he, he looked lost. Honestly, he was really out of position on a lot of plays. There were at least one, if not two run plays where the ball is already handed off and all the offensive line is going in one direction and he's still looking in the backfield. Just absolutely lost on a few plays. Um, and unfortunately, that led to him being cut. Um, Matt LaFleur talked about it, that he's one of the toughest cuts that he's had to make because he has good speed and he plays he plays well. He showed potential. But, yeah, I think I think his performance in that Jets game coupled with the the injury risk and then they also they like what they have in Campbell and Burks and obviously Chris Barnes, who I'm going to talk about in a minute. But um, all those things combined are what led to Kamal Martin being cut. It sucks because I liked him, but I, so, I trust the guys in Green Bay more than you know, I think whatever. Joe Barry is really going to put a stamp on this defense in the next, you know, not just this year, but the next couple of years. And he's really going to get his guys in there. And I think it's going to be a positive output. You know, you know, we talked about, you know, the new DC 
know a couple months ago we talked about Joe Barry. We talked about the new special teams coordinator and Joe Barry is really big on instincts, you know, at the linebacker position. That's yep. like the number one trait I would say is, you know, instincts and play recognition is probably the two biggest takeaways. You Chris Barnes slow. has that. You could be slow. If you know where the goddamn ball is going, you're going to be there before somebody else, right? Now having speed and having those instincts and then being able to hit hard, you get Ray Lewis. Okay. That's how that works. So Joe Barry is really big on instincts. And, you know, Kamal Martin, like you said, he just didn't have the feel for the game, you know, last week. And that, you know, cost him a roster spot on the Packers. But he, he's somebody that will get picked up. He's young yeah. and he's got plenty of talent. So somebody will try to coach him up. Yep. All right. So what other takeaways did you have from this this Jets preseason game? I know it's preseason, so there's not a ton to take away. But, I mean, I still had a few things. I mean, the main thing for me, I guess, is we just – the bad the Badgers, I'm still thinking about the Badgers. The Packers, <laughs> so we're both wearing red. <laughs> the Packers have a lot of, lot of positions where there's a lot of players where we're like, this guy's on the edge, this guy's on the edge. And they've really just been playing second and third stringers these first two games and not playing any starters. So, like, if you were a starter last year and you're coming back, your job is safe. Or, you know, it's just – I don't know. I, I don't think they're taking it serious. It's really just a dress rehearsal to them. That's really what it is. I I don't have much other than that. The game on Saturday is probably going to be the same as the first two games. We'll probably end up losing. It is what it is. But I'm really just looking to, you know, see the instincts and stuff like that. Oh, Tyler, I already answered that. I th- I said the offensive line looked a little bit better this, this week against the Jets. They, they looked better. I mean, the week before, they were trash. Jordan Love had zero time. But, you know, this last week, then, you know, you know, Tyler mentioned it. Hill broke off some pretty big runs, so they were able to open up a little bit of run holes. And Menkert obviously was able to throw 25 passes and complete 18 of them. A little bit of yep. that is on him, but offensive line was better this week. All right. So, for me, takeaways, I already mentioned some of the receivers, Amari Rogers, Reggie Begleton, Kylan Hill. Um, making plays right at the sticks on third down, just getting right that uh, right to that spot. Um, so that's good things to see from them. Um, Amari Rogers, they ran a jet sweep for him. So they're looking at that to see if that's something that Amari Rogers can do. And they also ran a wide receiver screen for him, something that they like to do with Devontae Adams a lot. Um, Aaron Rodgers likes to option into that a lot when he sees soft coverage. Um and they were trying that with Amari Rodgers as well. So that is something else that I was looking for or that I took away from this. Um, you mentioned his name a few times already, and that's Chris Barnes. He's got the green dot on his helmet. Chris Barnes is leading the defense this year. This is this is Chris Barnes' time to shine. Um, you mentioned some of the stuff that Kamal Martin lacks, that instinct. Uh, Chris Barnes has that. Um, I really think that Chris Barnes is going to be He's going to take a big leap forward. Um, he had a little bit of injury last year. It cost him a couple of games. But I'm looking for big things from Chris Barnes this year. Um, and then they are high on Campbell, and Burks is playing pretty well in the preseason. So those are your other two starting middle linebackers. And then Ty Summers will be out there on some plays. Um, he's he's kind of divisive as far as the fan base is concerned with him. But um, Jake and I mentioned it already. He does do good things on special teams. So Ty Summers is probably making this roster as depth at middle linebacker and then as a special teamer. Um, 
other than that, I think that's about all I had for takeaways. I do want to mention, just because this is the Wisco Fanatics show and we like Wisconsin, um, James Morgan, number four for the New York Jets, the backup quarterback. He's oh. from Ashwaubenon. He wears number four because he loved Brett Favre when he was a kid. So there's there's a little Wisconsin connection in that, um, James Morgan being from Ashwaubenon. So uh, best of luck to him. He's not beating out Zach Wilson for the starting job, but – who knows? Maybe he'll make the NFL as a backup QB. Hey, man, I hope he survives. That's awesome. All right. So to close the show out, we're going to play a little game of in or out. I have seven players that I'm going to ask Jake about. Um, one that I'm really, really going to look for this weekend after the Kamal Martin cut. But I'm going to start with one that Jake already kind of touched on, and that's Jay Sternberger. You think Jay Sternberger is in or out? As of right now, I would say that he is out. I agree. I, I think he's think out. I don't think I've seen enough. <clears throat> All right. Next one, my man Jack Heflin, in or out? Oh, he's in. He's all right. He was in after he ch- chased down that running back in the first preseason game. He was already in. He, he is nonstop hustle. He's hitting the quarterback now. Heflin, Heflin is in. Plus, in front of him is not like amazing talent. Whose spot is he going to take? Right, he Frank could be Hester. a starter. Honestly, as good. He's as going to take. I was just going to say that as you were bringing it up. I think he's going to challenge Tyler Lancaster. He will. All right. Next one, KB on Ento, in or out? I would say in. There was they were talking about it. He was going to make the roster last year before he got a late injury. So. I would say that this year, you know, after having another good training camp, playing well in preseason, I say he's in. Say this is the year that he's in. I agree. I think he's going to be that fifth corner. Um, Tyler, yes. Jack Heflin is from Iowa. All right. Courtney set out. (laughs) She don't like it. He's just guessing. Courtney, if Kavion Ento makes the roster, I'll get you his jersey. (laughs) He's got a cool name, so I'm with it. All right. Um, next one. This one's kind of a tough one to pronounce, but I, I believe his last name is Galei or Galia. I'm not positive. I will have to look it up. I think it's Galia. It's G-A-L-E-A-I. I think he's an undrafted linebacker. Um, he made a lot of tackles last week, and now with Kamal Martin being cut, um, I'm looking. He might sneak onto the roster, but I'll, uh, I'll kick it back to you. Do you think Galia in or out? I'm going to say out. I, unfortunately, I do think he probably will be out. I'm hoping they can maybe stash him on the practice squad because he does seem like a sure tackling linebacker, which yeah. is something the Packers have lacked. I know. I think we're, is this the guy they were trying to inside and outside? He's number yes. 50. They were trying yep. to that both. That he's, a little, might, he's a little thinner. That might he's, let him make the roster. So that's what I was just saying as we were coming into this segment here is he's the guy that I'm going to have my eyes locked on on Saturday. He's the guy that I'm going to be watching to see what he does. Yeah. All that, right. That his, you know, his ability to play both might be enough. It might. All right. Three left. One of them you already asked me about, and I kind of gave my two cents on it, but EQ, you think he's in or out? <sighs> really? Uh, it comes down to between him and Taylor. Cause you know, like we talked last week, there's already six on roster that are just they're there. Okay. Yep. They're staying. 
The seventh guy is going to come down between Malik Taylor and EQ. I'm going to be honest with you. I think Malik Taylor takes that spot. I agree. So I'm going to say that EQ is gone. And, you know, in addition to, we already mentioned it, that Malik Taylor made like three really nice catches this week. Uh, He's also got that special teams experience with returning punts and kicks. So I think that gives him a little bit of a bump too, because he's got some other things that he can do for the team outside of just being a depth wide receiver. The shitty thing is really about the EQ thing is like, we've never really got to see him, you know, on the field, like, He's always been hurt. He's always been out. There's always been, there's always something. There's always something. And I, I do think he's extremely talented. He's a big guy, man. And when they were both drafted, quick, he was drafted too. the same year as MVS. Yep. MVS was looked at and on his draft profile was a body catcher, which obviously you can see he's still kind of yep. a body catcher. Yep. He, when he came in, they talked about how good he was with his hands for a big guy. And he's, He's never really been able to, you know, show that off in the field, and that really kind of sucks because he is massive. He's six five, and he ran like a, a four five forty. Like he's a big giant dude running pretty fast. So, just if he was able to stay healthy, I think he would produce. To be honest with you, but yeah, and if still there, yep, there it is. Um, two more. One is on the offensive line. There's been a lot of questions about that. Yash Nyman. That's tough because, you know, with Bakhtiari's, you know, health up in the air, might not start week one. We don't know when he's going to be back. On the depth chart right now, he is the backup left tackle. So I would say just for that reason, he's going to make the roster. Yeah, and I could see that being a thing where he plays as the backup for weeks one through three. If Bakhtiari's back by week four, Nyman just cut. Yep, and hello, Lily and Layla. Always fun to see the Lily and Layla watching the show. Sorry, <laughs> the Curtis isn't on here guys. this week. I know they're always, I know they're always excited to see Curtis, but uh, <laughs> Curtis isn't on the show this week. All right, last one, Josiah Deguara. Oh yeah, Deguara's on the roster. All right, we saw him working his way back from his torn ACL. Um, his happened early in the season, so he probably will be ready for Week One. Um. Tyler's saying they should move Elton Jenkins to left tackle. He Elton Jenkins will be the left tackle until Bakhtiari's back. True. But so once once Elton Jenkins or uh, once David Bakhtiari's back, Elton Jenkins is just going to move over one spot and he's going to be playing left guard. So the thing about the Guara, I really love him. You know, the first game of the year last year we started against Minnesota. He yep. was everywhere, man. He was at fullback. They put him out. Yep. He's a guy that you could put him in the slot real quick. You could put him at tight end, like yep. put him at H back. Like he can do a lot of things for your roster. And he was he was dominant in, in my opinion. He wasn't the most impactful player, but he did a lot of things for us in that first game when we were tearing the Vikings ass up. So I think he's a guy when he comes back, he can be used in a lot of different spots. Him being able to go in the backfield, go over here, go over here, go over here, and really be a Swiss Army knife is really going to be the reason he makes the roster. And I like, I like Deguara, man. That was a really good pick by us, man. That was a sneaky good pick. Uh, Tyler said, I hope so, or Turner at left tackle, but then you have to put someone at right tackle. Uh, Billy Turner is the right tackle. 
Uh, Elton Jenkins will be the left tackle until Bakhtiari's back. Um, personally, I don't trust Billy Turner to play left tackle and be on Rodgers' blind side. I would much rather have Elton Jenkins there and then just move Elton Jenkins back to left guard because I think it's pretty easily um, not really a stretch to say that Elton Jenkins is our most versatile offensive lineman. So I would much rather move Elton Jenkins and keep Billy Turner at right tackle where he's used to playing. Man, who's that guy we have for the Titans? Kelly, right? Dennis Kelly, yep. He he might make it might make the team as a left guard. I, I, I he might be taking Turner's spot, man. I'm not sold on Turner. I think I think Billy Turner's our worst offensive lineman. I if really we do. could we could save some money by cutting him too. I mean, just throwing that out there. I mean, some people, they might say that Lucas Patrick is our worst offensive lineman, but Lucas Patrick, he he's one he of those guys. He can play multiple you know, positions. And, and offensive linemen, especially your guards, I mean, go back, you know, to Mike Wall and Marco Rivera and, you know, and Josh Sitton and, you know, all those guys. You want your guards to be nasty, ready to get ugly. And Lucas Patrick is that guy ready to get ugly. He will get in your face. He doesn't give a shit that you're 6'7", you run a 4'4", You know what? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And Lucas Patrick is that guy ready to punch somebody in the mouth. I love Lucas Patrick. I think he's actually a great asset for us because he can move around a lot of places. Now yep. he's playing backup center. He's kind of like the, the Walmart version of, of Jenkins, man. He's moving around playing everywhere, man. Great, so, great value, Elton Jenkins. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I – I love I love Lucas Patrick. I actually think the one player we have to replace is Billy Turner in the offensive line because you just go back to the NFC Championship game, man. With Bakhtiari was out, you know, normally they can shift all the help over to the right side and help Turner out because you have the luxury of a Bakhtiari over there where you're like, all right, Bach, Nothing block that him. guy. Send nobody over there. I know that guy's really, really freaking good, but just take care of him, okay? And then we can send all the help over to, over to him. We couldn't do that in the NFC Championship game. So it was straight up man-on-man. Man. He got his ass whooped. He really did. He got his ass whooped for 60 goddamn minutes. So for me personally, we need a right tackle. If Kelly's that guy, he could slide in there. But I'm going to need somebody to, you know, protect Rodgers, you know, right side. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and I wouldn't be opposed to Kelly or Patrick at that position. Um, I am fully 100% good with John Runyon at right guard. Hey, John Runyon's going to be good, man. I, th- I think he's going to be a solid player. Yep, totally good with him starting at right guard and then just trying to figure out right tackle with, with some of the other depth guys they have. I, I just hope that the NFL bloodline, you know, runs deep with uh, with him, man. Hopefully, if he turns into half of what his dad was, he'll be a really fucking good player. <laughs> and uh, hopefully that translates to the Badgers as well. So with Runyon and Rushi, hopefully those two both get some uh, yeah. some bloodline from the NFL. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, keep an eye on uh, Galea this weekend. He's he's one of those fringe roster guys. If he can show out in the last preseason game, maybe he can play himself into a roster spot. Um, other than that, do you have anything else? Um, we got a couple fantasy drafts coming up. We have the Wisconsin, uh, Wisco Fanatics draft coming up. I got two other ones planned. So uh, if anybody wants to talk fantasy football, hit us up. We, I love talking football. I'm so happy it's football season. Um, that also means that my stepson goes back to school and it's quiet in this house for eight hours. So I really, really look forward to that. So <laughs> football's back. The quiet is back. Let's go Packers. Let's go Badgers. Hope you all enjoyed the show. 
All right. So we will probably be pre, uh, previewing Badgers football next week. Definitely talking more Brewers, and we will probably be talking about the Packers roster cuts and the last preseason game. So I will see you next week, bud. All right. Later, my man. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.